It's February 15th, 2008, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, Delia Smith was a best-selling author and a massive TV star, like universally praised as a national treasure. People used to call her Saint Delia for having taught Britain to cook. And yet, remarkably, that all changed, however briefly, on this day in 2008 when she published How to Cheat at Cooking, a book that I think she didn't realise was going to be quite as controversial as it proved. Yeah, and you can see why she would think it wouldn't be controversial because it wasn't really even a new book. It was seen as being kind of a revisit of her debut book from 1971, which was also called How to Cheat at Cooking. And there was going to be a BBC tie-in TV series. It all seemed, I think, like it was going to be very standard. You know, obviously people were excited, especially because it had been a few years. I think it had been seven years since the last Delia Smith cookbook came out. So people were excited, but I don't think anyone anticipated that it would be controversial or polemic in any way. (laughs) (laughs) So specifically the reason that people got upset was because the way that she was cheating was by encouraging people to go to their local supermarkets and get kind of ready mix and frozen and, you know, canned food. So sort of contrary to the naughties prevailing culinary trends of doing it all yourself and low air miles and all of that, she really threw all that out the window and was just like, do you know what, if you want to get ready-made mash to chuck in your soup, do that. And if you want to get lamb that comes out of a tin, then do that as well. So she was assailed not only by food critics, but also fellow chefs. Mm. Uh, Dave Myers, one half of the hairy bikers, said that he just couldn't conceive of how this whole thing got off the ground, let alone it was meant to save you any time because actually quite a lot of the uh, recipes uh, required a lot of ingredients and visits to multiple supermarkets because she had some things from Waitrose and some things that were in Asda and, you know, from all over the place. But just on the actual book itself, I have a copy. And last night for this show, don't say I don't go out of my way to research the retrospectives, I made (laughs) Delia's Cheat Moroccan Chicken. What, is it just ringing up a restaurant and ordering Moroccan chicken? (laughs) (laughs) Go to KFC and put some preserved lemons (laughs) on it. Um. (laughs) No, it is actually, I mean, so I'm going to say right away, Delia Smith is known, the reason why she was so popular, I think, ultimately, is she's known for making recipes that work, right? And you can't argue Mm. with it. The, The finished product tasted good and it did work. But I think just in that one recipe that I tried last night, you see the issue, which is the thing that is supposedly cheating is that instead of making your own ras al hanout from cloves and cinnamon, you buy some ready-mixed ras al hanout. Mm. Now, I don't know of a chef in the last 20 years that would in all seriousness in a mainstream cookbook suggest you make your own ras al hanout. I know 2008, (laughs) there were probably fewer suppliers than there are now. And it's like the one I had in my cupboard literally was made by Bart's and I got it in the spice aisle. But even so, I feel like why make such a big meal, pardon the pun, about the fact this is cheating? Why not just say, here's a delicious Moroccan chicken you can make at home that uses a ready-made spice blend? I think it's the fact that she called it cheating that made people feel dirty about what is actually just cooking with ingredients that are available to you. And I think a lot of the ire was aimed at particular recipes. There were a handful of recipes that seemed to draw this very intense anger. And the main one was her shepherd's pie that she made with canned lamb mince, which I feel like I have to say did come from M&S. It may not be what you're picturing when you're thinking of the words canned (laughs) mince. But the thing that made me think of was it's kind of like, you know, these bags of pre-chopped onion you can buy in the supermarket. Mm. 
in both cases, they're not substantially different from the fresh version. You mm. know, it's still the exact same thing. It's not like they've added a bunch of stuff to the onions or to canned mints. It's the perceived laziness that really yes. seems to get under people's skin. Well, there was another bit of backlash which was connected to the fact that she went out of her way to actually include brand names. So she's recommending McCain's frozen sea salt and black pepper wedges, and she's recommending Aunt Bessie's homestyle frozen mashed potatoes and these sorts of things. She defended herself saying, well, A, I, I hadn't actually been approached by any of these brands and I didn't receive any money for their inclusion. But B, also, I'm trying to create a guide for people to cheat. I want to give them the actual thing so that they don't have to go online and go, well, will this kind of, you know, yeah. frozen mash do or, or that sort of wedge, will that will that do the trick? They could just go to the supermarket, get get the exact thing and, and, and away they go. But that ended up being another point of criticism because a lot of the recipes involved theoretical journeys to multiple supermarkets. Yes. So the idea that it was for, you know, busy, hard-pressed home cooks, etc., wasn't really borne out. And, of course, in addition to the food miles of buying all of these things from all around the world that are sold in, in the supermarkets, there were the actual miles of driving that you would probably presumably be doing to go to all of these supermarkets. Yeah, but you, I do think you are a bit of an idiot. If the recipe says, use Sainsbury's Taste the Difference Grand Padano cheese, and you're like, oh, can I use the Morrison's one? You're an idiot. I mean, obviously you can. It's only a cheese. It's only a recommendation. Like, I, I don't understand why people can't use their intelligence and, and see that. Well, and I think a lot of what caused the backlash as well is the fact that, although this was theoretically a revisit of her 1971 book, standards of cheating had definitely changed over the years. For instance, in the introduction to her 1971 book, she writes, if you're one of those dedicated cooks who is a keen early morning mushroom gatherer and wouldn't dream of concocting a salad without using the just pick variety, then this book is not for you. <laughs> in 2008, she's advocating that people buy boxes of pre-made pancakes. <laughs> yeah. This is what she wrote on her blog in 2008. She's hardly spoken about it since then because of the backlash, I suspect. First paragraph sounds fine to me. People sometimes want to feel there's something actually bubbling on the stove while they shower or relax with a glass of wine or gin and tonic. And let's face it, no amount of ready meals can cater for that very human instinct to be creative. Fine. I think we'd all agree with that. She's basically predicting gusto. Mm. Right. Here's what she says in the second paragraph, though, Rebecca. <laughs> Rule one, then. Never do yourself what you can get others to do for you. In Victorian times, cooks below stairs had kitchen maids to prepare food. Well, we've got butchers' shops and counters and fishmongers and fish counters with sharp knives waiting to bone, chop or join anything we want. And I think people who buy Delia Smith books didn't want to be told that. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the things that she said again in response to all of the criticism she was getting was, this is not a book about cooking, this is a book about cheating at cooking. There was a survey at the time that was done by Waitrose Food Illustrated magazine, which found that only 5% of viewers of online celebrity TV chefs were actually inspired to do any cooking themselves by what they were watching. You yes. know, they'd, they'd you know, look at Heston Blumenthal doing that and Hugh Fernley Whittingstall doing this, and then they'd sit down to their ready meal that they'd got from... From Sainsbury's and that's what they'd eat. And I think she was tapping into something which is definitely true. What she was advocating was a step up from a ready meal. It wasn't going to be the best thing that you could ever possibly make from the freshest ingredients, but it was something that you could do yourself a little bit with a bit of help from the supermarket. Even in the last couple of years, though, people have got back into Delia. Because she's a legend, by the way. <laughs> Just going to repeat, the recipes work. 
She's super cool. She blazed a trail. Yeah, because while I didn't do the hard yards that Ollie did of actually acquiring a cookbook, I did go to Delia online and looked at some of these recipes and they look fine. They look, some of them look even quite tasty and easy, which is what it's all about. But anyway, people got back into the old school Delia, particularly during the lockdowns of 2020. There's a sort of quaintness about things like she explains the history of the chickpea uh, being from Greece. And she says, sometimes in salads and a puree, which is called you know, there's this kind of historical culinary stuff that just we are so used to that she's introducing as novel. And that's funny to look back to. This is the thing. I feel like this is where the classist aspect comes into it, because she is writing specifically for people who might not know that much about cooking and might feel intimidated and might actually feel reassured by being told, go to Sainsbury's and buy this specific mm, brand right. potato wedges. And then you can just know that that's going to work. And there's this huge pressure in society, this idea that people don't know how to cook this is why there's an obesity crisis, we're all lazy, we're all stupid. But when people like Delia Smith actually do try and communicate to that audience, they get absolutely torn apart by the, you know, the chattering classes who are going to go on Twitter and be like, oh, look, Delia Smith is pretending like we don't know what hummus is. Yeah. Had she been a more working class figure, uh, had she been one of the hairy bikers, I think she wouldn't have attracted the same criticism. I think it's because mm. Delia Smith is so, and again, I've just said she's a legend, I like her recipes, but she's so bland in terms of like she's she's similar to Mary Berry, right? Mm. In the like her recipes work, she's the standard issue, but also it's just a bit British Airways, isn't it? It's a bit like absolutely middle of the road quality, but let's not shout about it, Britishness. Mm-hmm. That's her thing. Right? You shop at MS because of course you do, but it's not gonna taste great. It's just gonna be good. And I think <laughs> when she was making stuff that poorer people could afford to make because it was frozen ingredients and it was branded products like Aunt Bessie's. And, you know, we had the likes of Jack Monroe coming out with this sort Mm. of stuff as well. And Delia seemed to be tapping into that market. I think those people felt betrayed. I mean, not so much that they didn't buy the book, though. Based on pre-orders alone, the book was ranked at number two on Amazon on the Tuesday prior to its launch. Imagine ordering the book from Amazon. Pure laziness. In the time it takes to (laughs) click that, I could have walked to the bookshop and bought it myself. Wouldn't give that to my dog. Tomorrow. It was just like a big coach full of bones of their enemies. And they were like, it's probably a chapel. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.